Hey Parkers Church uh, family, uh, so good to see you uh, again this morning. Uh, welcome back to uh, week two of our walk through the, the book of 1 John. Uh, I'm super excited about uh, this passage uh, this morning. I think I'm, I'm probably going to say that every week because I think every passage all the way through this book is just astounding and so helpful for us. But um, I'm super excited about today's as well. And today we're going to be in uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1 from verse 5 to 10. So don't you want to fire it up on your on your phone or have a look in a Bible and uh, head there. I'm going to read the passage in a second now, but I'd love you to be able to be looking at what we're going to be uh, looking at today. The verses will be on the screen here with me, but it's great to have it in front of you, be able to be seeing where we're getting all this stuff from. We're really going to have ours on the text um, this morning. Let me read for us and then uh, I'll pray for us as we get going uh, this morning. First John chapter 1. From verse 5, it says this, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray briefly before we dive into this together. Father, we are so grateful for your word. What a privilege it is as a a church family uh, and others who maybe join us to look at your word this morning to to hear from you. And I pray that uh, your words would come through my words, that we would hear you and see you in your word, that you would teach us by the Holy Spirit everything that we need to see and to know, to love you more and to follow you more faithfully this morning help us now in jesus name we ask it amen so as we dive into this passage i just want to make a note before we dive into some of the the deeper parts if you have a look right at the beginning there what does john say there's a line that we can easily rush past here and i want us to just pause on it quickly before we dive into some of the other stuff he says there in verse 5 this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you this is the message we have heard from him and we declare to you, John is declaring that he is, he's only sharing what's been shared with him. Um, Jesus has told them so that they've both seen Jesus in his ministry and his life. Uh, we looked at that a bit last week. They've, they've spent time with him and they've heard the gospel uh, from him and they've seen it on display uh, in his life and in his death and burial and resurrection and ascension and in the, you know, the years of church life after that. But he's heard a message from Jesus and he is now declaring that message on to them. And if you're familiar with him, with John's gospel, Jesus always says, and look, I'm not speaking on my own. I'm only speaking what the Father has told me to say. I don't speak on my own. I, I just, whatever the Father tells me, I'm just going to say what he's told me to say. So Jesus comes um, saying what the Father's told him to do and John comes saying what Jesus told him to do. So it's, it's a message passed down and John's 
sort of laying the foundation right at the beginning here, saying, well, I'm only passing on to you what's been passed on to me. And it's super important that we, we say the same thing. And that we as, as believers, as a church, we look at the scriptures and we pass onto ourselves, onto one another. As we share the gospel, we're, we're sharing something that's been shared with us. We're not, we're not coming up with something new and edgy. And I just want to start with it and just make a cautionary note that we always need to be careful whenever we, whenever anyone comes to us with some new edgy or exciting revelation or prophecy that, that goes outside of the scriptures or, or seems to be above the scriptures as new things somebody stumbled on. We should be, we should run. We should be extremely nervous when people speak like that because God has spoken and it's our job to just say what he said and repeat it again and again and again because we're slow to hear. And then somebody put it like this, like we don't write the mail, we just deliver the post. We don't write the mail, we just deliver the post. We are messengers, we don't write the message. And that's super, super important. And John says, I'm just sharing with you what's been shared with me. Then he leans in and he makes this massive theological statement here. He says, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. I mean, the, the scriptures obviously teach us a lot about God and his nature and his character. And here John is zeroing in, zeroing in on, on one aspect of God's character, that he's light. That he's light, that there's no darkness in him. He, like here is God and he is light and there's, there's like the, the, the darkness is over here there's not there's not a mixture in God there's not good and evil and good and bad mixed up in God God's a bit conflicted no no everything in God is good and is light and is pure and I'm going to mention now what I think he's talking about in light but I want us to be clear that that's the um, picture of himself that God reveals to us in the scriptures that is he is light and in him, there's absolutely no darkness. And this whole, this whole passage is about how we can have fellowship with this God. How we, as human beings, can have fellowship with the God who is light. Or the God who says he is light. Light means different things in scriptures. In the scripture, it's a massive theme all the way through the scriptures. But I think here in 1 John, based on the verses that we're going to look at that follow this, uh, it's more around how God is, is morally pure. Um, not so much a God who helps us to see our way and, and reveals things to us. He, he is that as well. He's a, you know, his word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. Um, you know, we can discern things and our eyes are opened and there's, there's light that's the life of men. Um, that's the beginning of John's gospel. There's different roads you can go down, but I think here it's talking about it's talking about the morally perfect nature uh, of God. And not so much the sense that it's a light in terms of it revealing. Um, I, I love that picture because uh, I love the fact that God does shine light on our lives and help us to see where we're going and, and make sense of the world. It's like light in which we, uh, you know, we're able to see with different lenses and the reality of the world. We see with new eyes as God opens up our eyes. And I particularly love it because... I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but I, I'm night blind, as it were. And Claire still thinks this is a bit of a con, uh, so that I can't get up and help the kids at night because it's dark. But, um, you know, it really comes back <laughs> to bite me. It's a genuine thing. It really is a genuine thing. Like when we used to go to the movies, I don't know if you remember <clears throat> ever going to a movie, but uh, when we, Claire and I used to go to the cinema, um, 
I, I was I was always like agitated that we had to get there early because for me there's nothing worse than going into the movie when you know they've already done that dimming of the lights thing. I can see nothing, and I'm so grateful to God for smartphones. You know, I'm that guy in the movie who's got the the light going or the screen trying to find my way to my seat because outside of holding Claire's hand and even then it's a bit dodgy and I can't see where I'm going so I'm shining the light so if you ever be one of those people who's shouted at or sworn at the that guy in the in the cinema with his with his phone uh, I forgive you I, I forgive you and we can still be friends but uh and I I, I, I just can't see uh, in the dark and so I love this this biblical picture of like God just shines light on things and enables us to see and find our footing and follow him but here he's talking more about God's morally pure and perfect uh, nature. So how, how do we relate to this God? How do we relate to a God who says of himself, he is light and in him there's absolutely no darkness? R right off the bat, that should disconcert us and say, like, okay, well, sure, anyone with a sober assessment or just an honest acknowledgement and you're not going to feel necessarily like that. But so how do we relate to a God who says, I am light. There's no darkness in me. Firstly, I think my first point is that we agree with him. We agree with him. It's super important. John has three repetitions of a phrase. You'll see here through this passage. There's three repetitions of him saying, if we say, if we say, if we say, if we say, and we're going to, we're going to look at those because there's, there's what we can say about ourselves. And then there's what God says about us. And, and if those two things don't, uh, correspond and correlate, um, God's voice is obviously needs to be the loudest one. And we, uh, need to just quieten down a little bit. But what, what we say about ourselves is massively, massively important. And it evidences a lot of our heart's condition and our posture towards God. So let's have a look. At these three repeated phrases, if we say, if we say, if we say, you'll find the first one is there in verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. What's the first claim? Yes, is if we, if we have fellowship, if we say, so this is our claim, I have fellowship with God. I have fellowship with this God of light and yet I walk in darkness. So there's the claim of fellowship. Fellowship is a friendship, intimacy, relationship with God. There's, there's, there's nothing more complicated, even though that is quite complicated. It's, it's our intimate relationship. It's our walk with God. If we claim to have a, an intimate walk with God, a relationship with Him, with this God of light, and yet functionally, day to day, we walk in darkness. John says, we are lying. You're not practicing the truth. We are lying. You, it doesn't matter what you say. The evidence of your life is that you're walking around in darkness. You're scurrying around over there. Here is the God of light. And we're over here walking in darkness. There is no fellowship of the God of light with us walking in darkness. We're liars is the first thing that he says. And I don't know where you are on this spectrum uh, but we need to all the way through be asking ourselves honest and sober questions. I say, hey, am I somebody who's a religious kind of person who would say, I have fellowship with God. And yet if we examined your life, we would just be 
a wallowing around, a, a wading in, in darkness. You know, we can talk up a good game, but the evidence of our lives betrays something different. And we need to hold, the scripture holds a mirror up to us and says, you know, you hear what you're saying, but this is what your life looks like. Wandering around in darkness, you're lying, not practicing um, the truth. Second one is in verse 8. We find it in verse 8. Uh, John says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what's the claim here? We are saying we have no sin. I don't know. I haven't bumped into too many people who, who would say that they have no sin. And I think what John is talking about here, there's nuances in the language and the translation here, but I think what he's talking about is people who would say that essentially they're good. Essentially they're good. They're good people. And I think there's lots of people who would say that they're good. And, and maybe that's you. You're not, you're not as bad as other people, you know. There's a curve of, of bad people and good people. And you're sort of like maybe in, in the middle, maybe in, on the up end. Maybe you're not perfect. Maybe not perfect, but... You're essentially a good person, and sometimes you do maybe not so good things. You know, even bad things sometimes. You make mistakes, you whoopsies, lapse of judgment, character flaws, whatever else it is. But essentially, you describe yourself as a good person. John says that if that's us, and that we say that we claim that we have no sin, we have no sin nature, no, no automatic default bent away from God. So without even trying, we sin. Without even having to, having to engineer it and overthink it, our heart's posture is bent away from God. So, it, unless we're willing to acknowledge that, he says we're deceiving ourselves. If deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're, we're self-deceived. We're not looking at things clearly. Because it's not, a, it's not an honest and it's not a sober assessment. It's not a correct assessment of ourselves. We are lying to ourselves. It's not just that we're lying to God or other people. We're lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. The, the, the truth, the truth, God's truth, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, God's truth is not, is not in us because we're lying. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to God, claiming that we have no sin. The third, if we say, is in verse 10. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, what's the claim here? Well, the claim is that we haven't done sinful things. So the earlier one was that we don't have a sinful nature, that at our essence, at our core, we're good, uh, we're good people. Maybe we dabble in um, things every now and then, but at our core, we're good people and we just slip up every now and then. Here he's saying, if we say we have not sinned, we haven't done sinful things, sinful actions, uh, what do we do? We make God out to be a liar. You know, John's winding things up. First, we were just liars. Secondly, we were deceiving ourselves. We were lying you know, to ourselves. And now we're calling God a liar because what he has said about us is different. And we, may, we may look at our lives and we may explain. We often do this. Believers and unbelievers are like we explain our behavior away in different ways. We can... We can um, deflect it, you know, we can, we can deny it. We can deny it. So now, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Doug. I'm, I, I get you. I'm not a perfect person. But to call it sin, I mean, that's a bit, uh, it's a bit heavy going, winding it up, like talking the sin language. See, that's why I'm not a Christian, because you guys you just want to talk about sin. You know, sin's not a popular word these days. You don't hear it used often, except in a point of ridicule that people who would, that, that, there's some of us who would believe that sin is still a thing and that 
it has consequences and it needs to be resolved and it's a barrier between us and God. Many other people are just like, ah, don't worry about that. It's just a preference or opinion or whatever. It's an old school thing. There's like sin vocabulary. It's a back in the day legalistic stuff. Don't worry, we've moved on from it. Sometimes we'll just blame shift. It, it's, we realize we're not perfect, but the reason why we've maybe stumbled or tripped, it's because of other people. Uh, I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for you. You know, I wouldn't have lost my cool in the traffic if you hadn't cut me off. You're the moron that cut me off, you know, and you triggered something in me. You triggered me. I was just chilling here, minding my own business. There was nothing in me that was sinful and stuff. It was you. I'm shifting the blame from my action and response to you. You, let's have a rather have a look at you. One of our favorite um, ways of dealing with this is, is minimizing it. Uh, you know, you'll talk about mistakes, like I said, and character flaws and stuff. We, we don't like to use the word sin. We want to minimize it. It's like, it's not such a big deal. I had a whoopsie, had a mistake, a lapse of judgment, whatever else. But to call it sin, yeah, maybe that's a bit extreme. You know, but I, I just want to, I just want to say this that. I'm going to say it again later, but you may miss it, um, that the gospel is good news for sinners. The, the scriptures and the gospel is good news for sinners, not for those who've made whoopsies and mistakes. If that's uh, your view of the world and your view of yourself, the gospel doesn't hold out much hope for you because the message of the gospel is only good news to sinners. You first need to arrive uh, at the understanding of sin before the gospel is any good news. The gospel doesn't really have much help the scriptures god doesn't really have much encouragement for you if you're just making whoopsies you're on the you're on the path of self-improvement you read a couple of books go on a couple of courses look in on yourself to find what went wrong and and fix it from the from the inside you've got the mechanism and the means within yourself to make yourself a, a better version of who you are and that's not the gospel it's got nothing to do with the bible and the scriptures and jesus and we need to we need to call sin what it is so that we can receive the good news uh, of the gospel. Uh, we make God out to be a liar when we say we have not sinned. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus himself says there's, there's no one good but God alone. And, and we could keep going like this all the way uh, through the scriptures. Um, we are deluded and we're calling God a liar if we say, we haven't um, sinned. So those are the three if we says. And they, they, they drive us to a point of saying, well, here's what we say about ourselves, but here's what God says about ourselves. And like I said, it, it matters more what God says. And the first step towards having a meaningful, life-giving fellowship with the God of light is that we agree with Him. We agree with Him. And agreeing with Him is what confession is all about. We read that in this passage. It says that, um, that as we agree with God about our sin, uh, something happens to us. Something, it's the, it's the path, it's the stepping stones towards being reconciled with God and being able to enjoy life together with Him. Confession. Confession is not sitting uh, in a booth, uh, you know, with a dividing wall, with a, you know, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned and having to go and do a whole bunch of stuff and, in penance and repentance based on that. It's not like what the movies make it out to be. Confession is agreeing. God has said this about us. He has said we have a sinful nature. We do sinful things. We have fallen short of his glory. We're not good. We look at that and we say, yes, yeah, yeah, 
we agree with your assessment of us. Um, not just in a broad sense, but in specific ways. Yes, God, I, in this way, I've wandered from you. In this way, I've loved things other than you. In this way, I've prioritized other things above you. In this way, I've sinned and I've offended people that have been made in your image. In this way, I've seen these things in my heart that are repulsive to you. Specific and general ways we agree with God. That's what confession is. We agree with him. We don't play games. We're not pretending. We're not dressing ourselves up and stuff. That's what, that's what confession is. It's just coming and standing before God and saying, I agree with you. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to excuse it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to, as it were, bring it out. Here it is. Bring it out into the light. I'm going to bring my life out into the light because it's already, it's already in the light. God is light and his light of his character shines on all of the darkness in us and illuminates it. You get to see it. And as God turns the lights on, I say, yeah, I may not like what I see, but I agree with your assessment, God. That's me. That's me. I'm confessing. That's me. So now, once, you, once you've agreed, what's next? Once you've agreed with God, what's next? You, we need to rely on Jesus' blood. Relying on Jesus' blood. Have a look in verse 7 there. It says, if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. This is the blood of a substitute. And this is a theme, again, all the way through Scripture. This is how God has designed it. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve and Exodus, all the way through the Old Testament sacrificial system. A substitute, an animal dying in the place of the people and the blood being shed that would cover the sin. All of that prefiguring the perfect substitute that would come one day. The God-man, we spoke about this last week, the God-man Jesus Christ who comes, lives a perfect life and goes as a substitute for humanity to the cross and sheds his blood. Not so that sin would be covered, but that it would be taken away. It's not just a covering until then, because nothing was perfect until Jesus comes. Here he comes, this perfect life, never ever sins. He is the absolutely spotless one. And he goes to the cross and his blood is shed so that the sin is forgiven. And the people who place faith in that substitute can be cleansed and can be forgiven. He went there so we don't have to go. So he takes on himself what should have come to us and he, he was swapped around. Instead of uh, us getting punishment, we get his perfect righteousness. It's an, it's an amazing exchange and substitution. We have to rely on that blood. But what the blood does is that it, it, it forgives us. That's what John's saying. It forgives us and it cleanses us. I want to I hammer on this a bit because there is nothing. There is nothing, my friends, that can cleanse us. There's nothing that can offer forgiveness and cleansing like the blood of Jesus. Nothing else. There's no self-improvement plans, no turning over a new leaf, no, no self-control and trying to be a better person all that stuff. If you sense any um, guilt or shame or wrongdoing or slight waywardness or whatever term you would use for it, the only way to deal with that is, that, is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that removes that guilt and provides forgiveness and cleansing. And that's exactly 
what it does. Let's look at some of the results of what the blood of Jesus accomplishes in those who place faith in it. What says we, uh, John says we get to walk in the light as God is in the light. Once you've been cleansed, you get to walk in, in light together with God because you've been cleaned. You've been cleansed. Light has nothing to do with darkness. So we need to be cleansed enabled in order to be able to walk together with the God of light. And we come out, as it were, into the open. We, we come out from the shadows and the dark places where we've hidden and the corners where we've scurried. And we're able to walk out into the light because the blood of Jesus has covered us, forgiven us, and cleansed us. This is super, super important that we understand that we've been forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I know a lot of Christians who just feel uh, dirty uh, in an ongoing way. Every time they sin, they feel like it's dirty or things that they've either done or <clears throat> things that have been done to them, sin that's been done to them, they feel, they feel dirty. And, and, and the scriptures have this beautiful picture that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Cleansed, cleansed, cleansed. I pray that this morning is, as you think about that again and as those words wash over you, that you'd have a renewed sense of God cleansing us. That, that we're clean, not because we've cleaned ourselves up, but because blood, perfect blood of the Son of God has made us clean. Now and for all eternity. Yeah, we need to keep short accounts with God that we, we continue to walk in the light. It's not like a magic one-sort of thing that happens. We walk and we continue to confess our sin and we continue to enjoy forgiveness. But we have been cleansed. We have been forgiven. And our ongoing confession, our ongoing agreeing with God just keeps the, the relationship intimate. We don't have to you know, start that relationship again from scratch each time. We're ready in this relationship with the God of light, light. And our confession just restores the intimacy there. The last thing it accomplishes is that John says that we have fellowship with each other. Sin breaks down the horizontal relationships we have with other people. When we sin against God and when we sin against others, there's gaps, there's, there's, there's a break, there's a distance. He says the blood of Jesus um, enables us to walk in the light. And we, as we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's nothing between us with other people. The sin breaks down those relationships. And you may be, be in an environment like that at the moment where sin has got in between you and other people. And you're experiencing the, the brokenness of that. And the blood of Jesus cleanses and forgives and enables us to walk in the light and reconciles us with other people so that we can have fellowship together with them. John has such deeply encouraging and challenging things to say to us all the way through uh, this book. And uh, I want to close this morning by just touching on a couple of things that come out of this passage. And one of the, one of the themes that he's, that he's on about in this book is that we would have assurance of, of true faith. That we would really be convinced and we'd know as we go through this book that, yeah, yeah, I am a, I am a, a Christ follower. I, I am truly a born again by the Spirit of God. I am a Christian, not because I say so, but because God says that about me and because I walk in the light. It's not, it's not, it's not I'm not spinning myself a story here god has made me alive made me new cleansed me and forgiven me and i want to make sure this morning as you're listening to this that that we're we're shunning religiosity with all of our strength that we're not the people who who claim to have fellowship with god but walk in darkness 
when, when I'm logging in to a church service to tick a box to say, look at me, I, I'm a good person, I'm doing this, I could be doing a million other things on a Sunday morning, but here I am listening to Doug uh, again, you know, that's got to count for something. Uh, you know, it's not our good works, it's not our righteous deeds that count for anything. God says they are disgusting, get them away from me, they're not going to get you anywhere. And we, we, we put all of our hope, we put all of our trust, we put all of our confidence in one thing, that Jesus' blood shed on the cross for us is able to offer us forgiveness and cleansing and reconcile us to God so that we can walk in the light together with the God of light. So it's not about religious things that we do. It's about a relationship that God initiates with us and we respond to him. That's true life. That's true following Jesus. And we need to, we need to discern in our lives. Say, so, okay, as God holds the mirror of the scriptures up to us, have we said the wrong things? Uh, you know, and not, not, um, we always, often, I often say the wrong thing kind of thing, put my foot in it all the time. It's more like if we say those, if we say statements, saying the wrong thing about ourselves, lying to God, lying to ourselves, lying to, lying to others about who we actually are. Like I said, that sober assessment. Are you speaking the truth about who you are? A sinner in need of grace and coming and relying on that blood that can cleanse us and make us alive. Another area is, is, is the ongoing, I spoke about this earlier, the ongoing walking in the light. Let me ask you, my friends, as, as we walk in the light, we're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to sin as we, as we continue this relationship with Jesus. We're not perfect. You don't come to him and stop sinning and then you're like clean and good and forever. As we continue to walk in the light, uh, our unrighteous act and our sin gets exposed. And you can, you can either run to the light or from the light when that happens. And I, I want to encourage us because I know my own heart and I know many of us uh, to, to bring our hearts before God and say, hey, what are the little parts of my life where I'm, I'm kind of hoping they stay in the darkness? I don't, want, I don't want these dragged out into the light. I don't, I don't want God to see these. And I definitely don't want other people to see them. Uh, friends, the problem is that God already has, God already sees them. The light has already shone on them. And shame lurks in the darkness. Shame lurks in darkness. And what I would love for you this morning is to, is to in, the, in the light of God's character and in the context of this blood that cleanses and forgives, to bring those areas out into the light, to confess them again to God and say, God, I've tried to hide these things. I've tried to harbor this thing, this repetitive sin, this thing that I think I've hidden from everyone and even from you. I'm bringing it out into the light. I'm confessing it before you so that you can walk without the shame and the guilt of pretending before God and before others. That's real joy, friends. That's real joy is walking in the light, not walking in shame where there's little hidden areas that we think the light hasn't got to. Walking in the light with the God of light. That's where our truest joy comes. And so I, I pray that this would be encouraging to you that as we make time to be with God and even as you respond now, to lay your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Shine the light of the truth of your word on the different areas of my life and call me again to confession, to agreement with you around, okay, that's wrong, that's wrong. I've sinned against you in these ways and I bring those again for cleansing and forgiveness uh, um, through the blood of Jesus so that my joy may be complete in you and I can walk in joy with the God of light. Let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. 
And I want to pray for us this morning. And Jesus, we thank you that you have shed blood for us and that it's perfect and pure and blameless blood. But you were willing to be the substitute for us so that this massive exchange can happen and that your blood cleanses us and it forgives us when we place our faith in you. And I pray, I pray for us, I pray for my, <coughs> my friends this morning that you would wash us again, that you would cleanse us again, and that you, Holy Spirit, would convict us uh, again this morning. If there's areas of our lives where uh, we, we, they're in the darkness still, we're ashamed of them, we're ashamed of these unrighteous deeds, and we're hiding them from you and from others. Pray that you give us the grace and the courage to allow the waves of your grace to wash over our lives and to flatten us as, you know, waves flatten kids on the beach, that they would just wash over us. Thank you, Father, that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And I pray that your kindness of grace and forgiveness would wash over us again and enable us to bring those things to you, to confess them, to give them to you, to realize that we're cleansed and forgiven uh, because of Jesus and that we can walk without shame and walk in the light. We want to be people full of joy. We want to be people who enjoy walking with the God of light. And I pray that you would help us this morning. And thank you for what you're doing in us, this wonderful work through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I've been with you guys uh, again this morning, I hope it's been encouraging. I encourage you to continue to worship. There's so many ways every week as you can respond in giving. Uh, financial giving details you'll find somewhere connected to this video. There's songs of worship. I encourage you to get alone on this Lord's Day and just spend time enjoying God, just drinking deep of His presence and just reveling in a God of light who loves you this morning. Much love to you guys and we'll see you soon.